Hello, my name is Darren, and I'd like to welcome you to Solar Education Nation, a podcast sponsored by Collegiate Solar, made to educate the masses on the facts and fallacies of solar power. Collegiate Solar is based out of Buffalo, New York, and is happily serving customers in the Northeast area. If you'd like to ask me or any of my lovely coworkers any questions, you can email me at solareducationnation at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Collegiate Builders, Inc. If you give us a question that we think is important, we might just hold on to it and answer it here on the podcast and make you a little famous in the process, if you don't mind, that is. Okay, now to separate the facts from the fiction. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about the new technologies that have influenced the solar industry of today. While touching on a few changes of panel technology towards the end of the podcast, we're primarily going to focus on microinverters, the history behind their evolution, and why they're being more commonly used in current installation. So first, let's discuss what an inverter does. In order to work, a solar panel needs to be hooked up to something called an inverter. The inverter takes direct current power generated by the panel and turns it into alternating current power so your house can use it. The first kind of inverter used is known as a central inverter. Sometimes also known as a string inverter, these central inverters are usually installed indoors and have a maximum wattage which determines how many panels can be hooked up to it. This means that in the beginning, when solar panels weren't nearly producing as many watts as they are now, central inverters actually made a lot of sense. But as the wattage produced per panel increased, so did the amount of central inverters required, which are quite a bit expensive per unit. The advancements in panel technology aside, central inverters also tend to be a bit problematic. For starters, all of the panels that are connected on the same inverter are forced to work at the rate of the weakest panel, regardless of how well exposed the other panels are. This means that if you have 10 panels on a central inverter and one of them is covered 50% by unexpected shade, the other 9 panels will only function at 50% capacity even if they are completely unshaded. This also means that if one of your panels malfunctions, the other 9 will also stop working. This increases troubleshooting time while trying to diagnose any problems your system might have. There's no way of knowing which panel is the one making your central inverter malfunction without going panel by panel and testing each one. So while trying to figure out a solution to these problems, a completely different approach was discovered. Engineers realize that if you dedicated each panel to its own much smaller inverter, that any issues presented by a panel will only affect the production of that panel. These inverters were called microinverters and are what's most commonly used on today's market. 
Microinverters are usually wired together but don't affect each other even though they're connected. They're installed outside close to the panel so the power is converted from direct current to alternating current before even entering your house. If for some reason you do run into a problem, you'll be able to diagnose whether or not it's the panel or the inverter in seconds because everything is individualized. Not to mention, some newer microinverters connect together with a network cable and then they connect to a monitoring system which gives you and your installer instant access to your system with the help of a computer. From there it will show you exactly how much power your each cell is generating at any given time in the day. While the advantages of microinverters seem pretty obvious to me, some installers still prefer to use central inverters. Some installers have been around for a long time and just use them because it's what they know. It's hard to blame these people because they're pioneers in the field and we wouldn't be where we are today without them. However, some other installers will argue that it's more cost-effective to have a few central inverters than it is to go with microinverters. While they may be correct with the upfront price, microinverters will produce solar more productively than central converters unless you're in an area that is 100% shadeless in which even then they're still only as efficient as a microinverter. Not to mention, the NEC requires you to install an emergency shutoff valve to your central inverters because the DC power is dangerous to firefighters as well as utility workers that may be working on lines during outages. Finally, while neither inverter should have a problem, replacing a microinverter is going to be over 10 times cheaper than replacing a central inverter should the problem present itself. All in all, the new technology behind microinverters has helped the solar industry grow and become more efficient as well as viable. Some solar panel manufacturers have actually started installing microinverters directly onto the panels to make installation go quickly and more smoothly. However, while microinverters might be the best idea to hit solar since the concept of interconnectivity, solar panels have been advancing slowly yet consistently over the years. Solar panels have been becoming more and more effective over the years. The first silicon-based solar cell was made back in 1953 and began being commercially produced in 1956. That solar cell generated a single watt of power and cost a few hundred dollars. In today's market, you can get a solar panel comprised of numerous cells that produce around 300 watts a panel.
Not to mention, that panel cost almost as much as the cell did back in 1956. The solar industry owes a lot to NASA as they were the ones who did a lot of improving of the solar technology in the 90s. Even with the improvements from NASA, solar panels were only producing about 100 to 150 watts a panel. And those panels were still not producing enough energy to power most residents' homes to 100% of their energy usage, even with the entire roof covered. Usually, in today's jobs, we don't even have to cover 70% of the entire roof to generate 100% of somebody's energy usage. Besides energy efficiency, solar panel composition has also been getting better. While silicon is still used as the main housing component, the interior of the solar cell is constantly being worked on. Just last week, a company in Rochester, New York, created a solar cell structure that could potentially eliminate all the silver from production, which should also bring down the cost of panels. Even the mounting rails used for putting up solar have been improved. They now have a bracket that is two easy pieces with a bolt through them that just tighten together. You can just put them anywhere you want on the rail and tighten and it's the easiest it's ever been for your installer. As you can see, the technology in the solar industry is constantly improving and that's not only good news for you as the consumer, but as well as your installer. A quick side note here to inform you all that I'm not going to be covering thin film solar technology. I'm well aware of its existence as well as its uses, however, even with the best solar thin film on the market, it still takes over twice as much square feet of thin film to generate the same amount of power as it does for solar panels. I'm not going to call it unviable, but what I will say is that there are very few scenarios where thin film solar would be a better option than traditional solar panels. We'll leave off with a solar technology that is on the verge of coming out. Last year at Michigan State University, researchers developed a photovoltaic cell that is completely transparent. Its original implication was to be used in place of windows in office buildings, helping power the massive skyscrapers in urban areas while also utilizing the insane height of these buildings to gain access to the sun. However, an idea has surfaced of replacing the screens on our smartphones with the same technology, allowing it to charge by laying out in the sun while it's not in use. Well, that's our time here at the Education Nation. Again, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at solar 
educationnation at gmail.com or check out our website at collegiatebuildersinc.com. That's C O L L E G I A T E B U I L D E R S I N C dot com. We're also on Facebook at Collegiate Builders Inc. as well as Twitter at Collegiate Build. We'll see you guys two weeks from now where we'll go more in depth into solar methods that are alternative of roof mounting. That's all, and until next time, remember, a cleaner today for a brighter tomorrow.